G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Connecting faith to life. Vision. Coming up today on The Story. God called me to plant a church in Melbourne and I thought that would mean that any moment now my husband was going to come along because I didn't know of anyone in Australia who was pastoring or starting a new church as a single woman. The church was in St Kilda, which is, as you may know, the red light district of Mm -hmm. Melbourne. It was just so hard. The Story. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Today's guest has gone down a somewhat unique path. Tanya Harris has been a pastor and leads a worldwide ministry as a single female. She's the founder of God Conversations, with speaking tours, a radio program, and much more. We'll find out her unique journey today on The Story. Tanya Harris is chatting with Karen Hunt. Can you give us a little bit of a background of, you know, what was life like for you in your early days growing up in Melbourne? Beautiful Melbourne. Well, I started off my working career actually as a sports teacher. I did that for about four years and I remember one particular afternoon standing on a football field wondering um, if this was going to do be the thing that I was doing for the rest of my life. And I prayed a prayer at that time. And over the following year, God spoke to me that I would be in ministry. And the odd thing about that is that at the time, I didn't really know what he meant because in the church that I grew up in, there was no women who were ministers. In fact, we weren't allowed to be. We were the ones who were kind of in the kitchen, helping out, um, staying at home. And um, so I didn't have any idea what God meant as is often the case when he speaks to us. And I ended up studying a master's at Bible College. And going on from there, I pastored church in Melbourne. And about 10 years ago, I moved to Sydney to become the academic dean of Hillsong College. And from there, about six years ago, I started God Conversations. And as you said, our goal is to equip people to hear God's voice. And the reason for my ministry is because over the years, God taught me very clearly how he spoke. And my life has been the product of his his words. So very passionate about helping other people develop that kind of relationship with him. Tanya, from a very conservative background, you have had, I mean, that's in a nutshell what you just said. You've had such a checkered range of ministry experience, haven't you? Yeah, I have. I think a lot of it was trying to work out who I was and and what I was going to be in life. So did a lot of different things with with children and youth and in um, welfare work as well, overseas missions. So I think we finally worked it out. I love what I do now. And so from originally being a physical education teacher, I know the transferable skills of teaching can be used in a whole uh, range of different contexts. But yeah, you've worked with homeless youth, you've worked with online training programs. Uh, Right now you're a Bible teacher, you're an inspirational speaker traveling worldwide. Where have you just returned from recently? 
Actually, I have had a month in Sydney, would you believe, before that I was in Europe, but I've had a month because I've just been writing my first book called The Easy Way to Hear God's Voice, and yeah. it's published at godconversations.com now, which has been great. But um, I think, you know, the principles I learned as a school teacher such a long time ago, how to work with people have been transferable, whatever yes. age or base or demographic those mm-hmm. people are. And, and particularly, you know, teaching people about God and helping them is all part of seeing uh, the very best come out in their lives. And it's always been a common theme in the whole of my ministry along the way. So it just hasn't looked like I thought it would look. I thought it would look very different. You know, I think I grew up, as I said, in a very conservative home. We never really talked about what I would be when I grew up because everybody knew that I was going to get married and have kids. And that was it. I, I didn't even think about having a career. So it's just a very different scene that I find myself in now. I'm very thankful for it. God's been faithful, but just not what I expected. So you've actually gone from the peaks of Switzerland to the halls of Oxford University to upstate New York, all across Australia. That is a far cry from the kitchen in Beachside, Melbourne. (laughs) This is very true. It sounds very glamorous, but... um, You know, I think the journey, the inner journey has been um, much more profound even sometimes than the outer journey that I've done, that that process of working out who you are and what you're called to do and working through all that fear. Um, As I said before, very shy, growing up, very conservative, very small-minded, never imagined that I could actually do something beyond my my small, narrow little experience. And I think um, knowing God has completely changed the possibilities before me. And so very thankful for that. You know, a friend of mine once asked me, you know, being a Christian hasn't made that much difference in your life, has it? I think he expected me to say, oh, you know, it changes what I do on a Sunday morning, but actually (laughs) it's changed me from the inside out and moulded me into the person I believe God designed me to be from the very beginning. So mm. so thankful for that. As I said, a long journey and sometimes a painful one working out those barriers and those obstacles that we go through in life. Can you give us a little bit of a snippet? Now, this is my curiosity here. Yeah. Can you tell me the part of your journey that changed from a very conservative Christian denominational upbringing Mm -hmm. to getting involved with Hillsong Church? Mm, That's an interesting one. Well, it it came in stages, I think. As I said, uh, the church I grew up in was very um, sombre. At 21, I wanted more. I guess I wanted some more tangibility in my spiritual experience. So I moved to a large church and, you know, the the people there sort of were much more exuberant and expressive in their faith. So that took a little bit of getting used to. After that, I was trained in another church. To my horror, as I moved there, a woman came in. And as I said before, in our denomination growing up, women weren't in ministry and they weren't allowed to be. It was only the men who could who could do that sort of thing. So to my horror, this woman, I couldn't work her out. She was bold and strong and confident and, and feminine, but I'd never seen someone lead before. Time goes on and um, God calls me to plant a church in Melbourne and I thought that would mean that any moment now my husband was going to come along because I didn't know of anyone in Australia who was was pastoring or starting a new church as a single woman. The church was in St Kilda, which is, as you may know, the red light district of Mm -hmm. Melbourne. Um, It was a difficult situation. I was taking over someone's church that had kind of died and there was no money and no support networks. And it was just 
so hard. And I remember at the time thinking, well, I, I can't do this, God. You know, I don't have all the basics and I don't have the support. Every other pastor I know is male, is married and has two kids. And I'm not that person. So, you know, you need to call somebody else. And to my horror... He insisted, no, you can do it. And I think that's when I learnt a lot more about myself. You know, I think sometimes women have taken a back seat and they haven't really um, pressed the boundaries of who they are as people because they've let someone else do it, if you like. We, we hang back. We're not so sure. We're fearful sometimes. And so for me, that was certainly discovering who I was. Great experience. Pastored that church for a few years and then through a series of God conversations, Quite a story, actually. I moved to Sydney, and as I said before, it's, it's quite a story of God speaking and me following his voice and ended up becoming the academic dean of, of an amazing college that now trains thousands of young people for ministry all over the world. Hard to leave. I'm still at Hillsong Church, but, but needed to follow the call of God on my life for, for godconversations.com. So did you actually enrol to be a student in the college first? No, no. By then I'd already finished four years of theological study back in Melbourne. So I was, no, I've moved beyond. Eight years of study is enough. <laughs> yeah, I can concur. <laughs> Very yeah. much so. So I know this is a six-part DVD teaching series. If I was to ask you, how do you recognize the voice of God, Tanya? <laughs> but in a nutshell, I mean... How did you recognize the voice of God to step out of what you were doing there in Mm. Melbourne, to go to Sydney, to eventually get onto that path that set you off to now be doing what you're doing? Well, I think the foundational premise in hearing God's voice is to understand that he is a talking God and he still speaks today and that he wants to speak to us. You know, I think of Acts chapter 2 verse 17 when the Holy Spirit is first given to the church. And the Apostle Peter stands up and he says, everything has changed now. In the olden days, the Spirit came on just the prophets who would hear from God. You know, they'd go up to the mountain like Moses and hear from God and then pass his messages on. But now the Spirit has come and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old and young men will have visions and dreams. And these forms of communication were the ones that God used with the Old Testament prophets. And now they're available for us. So I think for me, at 21, realizing that God could speak and that he wanted to speak, then I thought, well, why isn't he speaking? Because he spoke to, you know, Peter and he spoke to the Apostle Paul and he spoke to my friend who's at my church and he spoke to the pastor. Why isn't he speaking to me? And for for me, that was the central pivotal point of going, okay, God, I'm listening. Mm. I want you to speak to me now. And that's all I did. Really, that was all I did. I just said, God, I I want you to speak. I'm listening. And from that point on, he started to speak. And in ways I I did not expect, in in ways that were clear, in ways that caused me to respond and live a life of faith. And I think sometimes the difficulty is we don't want to hear what he says. You know, sometimes he calls us, say, for example, to forgive someone who's hurt us and we don't want to do it. So we sort of go back to God and say, can you say something else now? (laughs) When actually that still small voice is prodding us because there's some good fruit to come out of it. But we we need to follow him. You know, Jesus said, my people recognize my voice and they follow me. The thought that we really can have a two-way conversation with the creator of the universe. That's amazing. It is. 
It's incredible. You know, when I moved to Sydney, God showed me beforehand what I was going to do and be in ministry in, in Sydney, and I saw how it was going to happen. And then when it came to pass, it was like, wow, God, you really are God. You, you really know me and you know the world and you know everyone around me. I think that experience just leads you into this relationship that's real. We really do get to know him as his people. And for me, that's one of the most wonderful experiences. I want to be able to pass that on. I want people to know that there's a God who's personal and loving and kind and he wants to see the best come out of us. You're listening to The Story. Today we're hearing Tanya Harris share her life journey and how she became the founder of a ministry called God Conversations. Next, we'll hear some of the challenges she's faced as a single female. Back with more soon. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with Karen Hunt's conversation with the founder of the ministry, God Conversations, Tanya Harris. The topic now turns to some of the challenges of single life. It's hard to be alone. You know, the Bible, God himself says he made, makes this amazing creation and he's, he pronounces it good and good and good. And he makes humanity and he says it's very good. And then he says one thing that's not good. And that thing was that we're not supposed to be alone. So I think this desire to know others and to be known is a part of the human makeup. It's a part of who we are. And if we don't have that, if we're... Um, divorced or or widowed or we're in a marriage where there's no intimacy we feel that very keenly on valentine's day so i I do you know at times like this i tend to manage that need a little bit and i tend to think well it might not be what i want it to be right now but i'm going to make sure that i have good healthy friendships in my life where i feel loved and where i feel known it's important for single people to manage that and to build that invest in healthy relationships until such a time as we have a have a partner perhaps of our own. But even without that, I think it's still important to maintain a a circle of friends and a community of good relationships. Tanya, how do you go about finding the right people for you to develop healthy relationships? Yeah, that's such a great question and such an important one. Look, I think... um, if not the most important question that we could ask ourselves in our lives. I heard it recently said that we are the average of the five people who are closest to us. We become like those who are close to us. And whether it's a spouse or whether it's just a company of good friends, I think those choices that we make about who we do life with are just crucial. You know, when I was growing up, My mother told me from a very early age, Karen, if you lie down with dogs, you're going to come up with fleas. (laughs) That's such a great one. Nice. Thanks, (laughs) Mum. I reckon, but I haven't forgotten it all these years later. No fleas on me. Um, You know, I've been very blessed with close, um, really quality people in my life, and they're people who've shared um, similar values 
they they believe in me mm-hmm. and I believe in them. They, I have a lot of fun with them. We can talk about the things we really care about late at night and I respect them for the way they do life. And so I, I see my friends as, uh, how can I say, the greatest resource. They're the ones I learn from. They're the ones who correct me. They're the ones who, you know, lift me up when I'm down. Uh, I, I said to someone recently when they said, you know, how do, how do I find the right person to marry? And I said, well, that's easy. You just marry your best friend and you add chemistry. Ooh. So I've had a lot of best friends with you. There just hasn't been the right one with chemistry. But I think um, it, it is. It's someone who's your best friend, who you can do life with, who are committed to your success and you're committed to theirs. And then you make that choice to navigate the journey together. You know, I see a lot of my friends now getting a little bit further in life and we see the consequences of choices they've made when they're younger. And those choices just have a ripple effect throughout our lives. And we need to be intentional about the people that we bring close and that we invest time in. And then when we know who those people are, we protect them and we build them and we do everything we can to learn from them. And they're the biggest gift, I think, that God gives. For, for me, that hasn't come in the form of a long-term partner, but God will provide for us. If we ask him and say, oh, God, I, I need good friendships, good relationships. Help me to be a good friend and to gather those people around me. And I believe as we do that, we're going to live prosperous and successful lives, whether we're single, divorced, married, or whatever state we are in. Let me ask you, though, a number of people in, in the Christian world, you know, singles, guys, girls, to say to them, how do you find that right person? Does it have to be in the church? Mm. Yeah, I have a number of friends who've asked me that same question as well. It's interesting when you start to think about the practicalities of doing life together, when you have children, when you think about how you're going to spend your money. And I often think about the times that God has spoken to me and has asked me to give away money or asked me to, to leave a job. And I think about if I had a man with me who shared that experience with me, how would he react? And the mm-hmm. truth is he probably wouldn't cope with that. The truth is that our relationship would start to fall apart. So I, I don't want to be the person that has to choose between the God I worship and the man I love. I don't think it would work to have someone who would align themselves on a different track, who is following other priorities for their lives. It, it just doesn't work. And I understand sometimes why people make choices about who they are with but for me that's just not an option. So what are your thoughts also with regard to another bit of encouragement that I received as a a young woman was Karen find people who are interested in the same things that you're interested in because the more you have in common with someone the greater credit there will be in your relational bank. My dad said the same thing, actually. It's interesting. I think it's true. I think you do need areas of commonality, but I think that more so you need to be open. So, for example, one of my favourite things in the world to do is ski, and I think I would love to marry a good skier, but maybe I wouldn't marry a good skier, but I really want him to learn to ski (laughs) so that we could do my favourite thing together. I think that... We're going to have some differences and I think sometimes the differences attract but at the end of the day you have to find things that you can share together. Sometimes being in a relationship is being open to enjoying music that's different to what you like or, or reading books that is perhaps different to what you enjoy. I do it with my friends. 
even today. You know, the people I've known, I learn from their differences. Um, but at the same time, the things that really matter about commonality are the values and priorities that are under the surface. And from that then comes the capacity to share life together and to learn from each other as well. You've certainly been travelling a unique journey, Tanya, as a woman in Christian ministry, but also as a single woman to date in Christian ministry. Yet you've only just started speaking about this whole topic, haven't you? (laughs) Under duress. I had my first speaking invitation to speak on singleness last year and I thought, well, that's the invitation that everybody wants, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, look, it just worked out that way. I didn't expect it to. I think um, for me, God has has a good plan for my life and it just turned out that marriage has not been a part of that. I expect it will be one day when the right man comes along. Up until this point, you know, you work out how to manage the season that you're in and to live the best life. I think that the grass is always greener and I've had friends and people I've known who've made decisions out of the wrong reasons um, to be to be married and have ended up very unhappy. And so, you know, you have to make choices in your life about who you want to do the journey with. And for me, um, I've had some great people around me throughout my journey when I was pastoring my church, when I was here in Sydney, and I have an amazing team and board around me who helped me with my ministry, who are not just leaders, but they're friends. I've learnt how to manage the season that you're in, and I think it's very important that we do that as singles, that we go, okay, I need to build healthy relationships that um, are two-way in my life so that I can enjoy the time and the person that I am in this time. Yeah, great encouragement. Like you said, making the most of every season in life. Now, something that uh, I truly admire in you, I guess there's a similarity here. I love the great outdoors. I I love (laughs) the water, the mountains, the beach, the rivers. Absolutely. You're a bit of a mountain girl, a bit of a kayaking girl. Did you go, you know, kayaking in the Sydney Harbour this morning? Not this morning. (laughs) I didn't actually, but I do it regularly. And last year we did a trip around the Whitsundays. You know, I travel overseas a lot, as you mentioned and I thought I want to see my own backyard. I haven't been to the Whitsundays so a group of friends and I travelled up to the islands and we hired kayaks for the week and paddled around the islands and camped and it was just fabulous. Great way to enjoy our country and get to know good people as well at the same time. And do you find like myself that you tend to hear God's voice a little bit more clearly when you're actually close to him and his creation? For me, absolutely. It's um, it's a worship experience. Actually, I don't like praying sitting down in my chair. You know that whole thing of <laughs> crouched over on the couch. I much rather be out running or kayaking or skiing or or actually moving. That's for me is a way to to actually really commune with God and pray. So, I'm not sure if that's other people's experience, but certainly how I experience God. You're the founder and director of God Conversations. You're available to speak at churches and conferences and youth events. I know you adapt and tailor-make programs to suit. If people are interested to get in contact with you, to check out your blogs, uh, listen to any of your audio, where's the best place they can go? My website is godconversations.com. Hey, God bless you. Thank you so much for joining me. Karen. So great to talk to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Karen Hunt chatting with Tanya Harris, founder and director of God Conversations, a ministry that focuses on helping people to recognise and respond to God's voice. 
Tanya has speaking tours, a radio program, and much more. And as she just mentioned, you can learn more about her ministry at godconversations.com. Well, thanks for joining us. And until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. Um, it was the trauma. It was the bad things done to me. Like, I was flogged with a pool cue at the age of nine from my nana's husband. It crippled me, you know, and the saddest thing about that, my older uncle was in another room and he just sat there and didn't do nothing about it, and so I felt betrayed and let down by him at the same time. I just had a bunch of belligerent, insecure addicts and alcoholics around me, and it was just atrocious. Mark Johnston grew up in horrific circumstances and his life spiralled out of control. However, it is hard to imagine anyone's life more remarkably changing for good. Mark now runs the very drug rehab centre he entered to get clean. His story's coming up next time. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, vision is listener supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.